Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gallup? Welcome inside episode 72 of BGN Radio here on BGN Radio. I am Benjamin Solak, stepping in for Michael Kiss, who's stepping in for John Stolmus because there's a there's there's a vacation and there's birthdays. Welcome to the bottom of the barrel, folks. I get to start a podcast. That's how desperate we are right now. I'm joined by, of course, uh, the king of bleeding green, Brandon Lee Gowen himself, BLG, may he forever reign. Welcome to me being in charge of an episode. <laughs> how are you? That's my official title, Ben, um, king yeah. of bleeding green nation. King of bleeding green. Basically, so what you're saying with the whole succession plan here, I mean, you're basically the Cody Kessler of this podcast then, right? I mean, you're the third string guy. Yeah. Oh, man, that's highly unfortunate. I didn't realize that's what I was, the, the corner I was painting myself into. I, I want. I, I do want to say, Gout, that I'm excited about the oh, introduction stop. of your okay, new you can't nickname do this. here. Yes, you I can't absolutely do this. You can. cannot make this a thing. <laughs> I, I can't. It's, has this been a thing previously? It's never. It's not a thing. It's definitely not a thing that exists. I mean, if I give into it, and I, I guess I show it that it bothers me, you're just going to keep doing it. So if you want to keep doing well, it, I'll be fine. honest with you, BLG. I, I I talk a lot on this network, so I'm going to do it really independent of what you do. So yeah. you can try. But listen. More than 3 million U.S. cases per year of gout, a form mm. of arthritis, characterized by severe pain, redness, tenderness, and joints. Also, the first syllable of your last name, which seems to be how uh, Doug Peterson is calling some of his players. So I figure we might as well just integrate it. I'll be soul, which is, you know, speaks to the spirit of a human being, speaks to what, what defines him or her as a person and what persists beyond the grave. And you'll be... A severe form of arthritis. Ben, I did not listen to anything you were saying just now because you're just <laughs> rambling about something that I did not care about. In case anyone missed that somehow, like, really important. Where did that come up, Ben? You said like Doug. Yeah, Pe- no, oh, so oh. Doug Peterson was calling Josh Perkins Perk. Yes. So I said, when are we going to start calling you Gout? As it is written. Well, I guess I would be making the roster if that was if I was getting that nickname because uh, that's kind of the point of why I tweeted out the Perkins thing. Uh, nickname analytics hashtag. You know. Not quite our Jersey Analytics podcast that we did. That was a huge hit. Some are saying probably the best podcast ever recorded. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some people are saying that. And yes. uh, nickname analytics are might be the next thing. You convinced me of Josh Perkins being a rosterable slash practice squad a bowl player last year and he obviously did stick on the roster he like had that weird game against tampa bay where they were like what if we target josh perkins a lot that was annoying um but he didn't look too bad uh against the titans actually which is the first thing i want to talk with you about blg because uh if you listen to the kiss and solak show episode 106 109 109 was our show breaking down the immediate reactions of the titans eagles first preseason game on thursday 
BLG, I wanted to make sure that you had the floor to talk a little bit about what you saw in the building, Eagles' first preseason game of 2019. Any major takeaways for you? Um, I think we need to start with Deshaun Hall. Okay. I mean, he's just he clearly looked like the best defensive end on the team. You hate to see it, Ben, personally, as I know a big Josh Sweat fan. Uh, all right, so I'm really just trying to... to um... so, yeah, and, and I was being quiet. And I was not <laughs> reacting. Because really when we ruffle. do podcasts together, it's just trying to get a rise out of the other person. <laughs> That's great. I, I'm sure people love this. Yeah, yeah, more seriously. I thought Deshaun Hall did have a good game. And I just want to mm-hmm. pat myself on the back for putting him on the 53-man roster back in May. Um, I had him over Josh Sweat, which is you know a little aggressive. And I even said that at the time. And I don't think that'll be the case. Josh Sweat's going to make this team. But to see that was nice to see. Like We saw a little bit from last year. like When he actually got into the games that he did late last season like he had some juice he had some flash there like you could see there was something about him that was like okay um this might be something to watch out for third round pick yeah he was never a slouch yeah higher than josh sweat you know funny so that's like that's where it's kind of funny to me Mm -hmm. that it's like this unthinkable thing you know that like he could be good i mean (laughs) like higher higher pick very athletic profile just like josh sweat like it's not insane like that it's not like this guy is just like coming out of nowhere and he's like a 24 eight-year-old you know guy who's just been around he's taking advantage of younger players like i think he's 24 himself like there's you know it's entirely plausible that this guy has like some untapped potential and could be a good fit for the eagle scheme you know with joe osman going down and defensive end depth being a concern in general as it's been throughout the offseason it's good to see hall step up on the defensive end note ben i want to ask you what are your thoughts on eli harold the big trade that howie roseman made on friday night yeah i totally forgot we should say that out loud okay so ryan bates is a udfa tackle out of penn state who if you listen to the network maybe you know about him but i feel like most people like he's a bottom of the barrel guy he gets moved to buffalo buffalo's been trying to do a ton of work on their offensive line this season buffalo's incurred multiple injuries among starters and backups in the offensive line so the eagles send ryan bates in return for uh, Medgar Elijah Harold, aka Eli Harold, uh, who is not nothing. He's definitely more than a UDFA. This is an ex top 100 pick in 2015. He was uh, he played like a total of like 16, 20 games. So like he was very infrequently used. He went to Detroit for a late pick. Then he went to Buffalo. He's on the practice squad for a little bit. He was called up for a little bit. And now he, here he is in Philadelphia. Is he likely to break? the edge rusher depth chart no does he represent more so of a outside linebacker potential stand-up hybrid guy that like joe osman was kind of feeling out Mm. in his second year yes and so body type wise and role wise he's more interesting just in terms of you don't really like it's interesting to me that philadelphia and this just could be a situation of eli harold is objectively a better player than ryan bates so he might as well but it's interesting that you lose joe osman and you go ahead and you add a player like an Eli Harold. We saw Kasima Edabali play a lot last night. They seem to be looking at hybrid-y more so guys, uh, uh, at the bottom of the barrel guys, maybe guys who can do a lot of different things for you on the defense, guys who, you know, obviously special teams value is important as well. Harold has a better chance of sticking than Bates. It's probably still not a good one, but that's, yeah, so that, that, that was the recent move there, the trade with the Buffalo Bills. To the Deshaun Hall point, I mean, because the Titans are anticipating Taylor Luan's suspension, Taylor Lewan's playing with a second team offensive line, their lesser left tackle, their right tackle starting yeah. Jack Conklin was out there for a series. And so Deshaun Hall and Josh Sweat were both going up against second teamers. It's just Taylor Lewan was hiding on the second team. And Josh Sweat, I thought, acquitted himself well against Taylor Lewan, but I'll be excited to see Josh Sweat rush against an actual second team offensive tackle and see more so what that looks like. But he was uh, whooping Dennis Kelly around the yard 
uh, for that one series that they had Dennis Kelly and then Kelly sat and Luan comes in. And so I was very impressed with Deshaun Hall. I've liked Deshaun Hall since he arrived. Yes, I am big on the Josh Sweat train. Uh, I think that he looks great in year two. You can very clearly see the advantages of the added mass. And it's like you said, Sweat's making the team. And there's no reason for Hall to ever not make the team. The only way it was going to happen is if Joe Osman was like really had the juice. Like he was really, you know, in his second year proving that he needed to be rostered. He needed to be protected. So I expect Hall to make it as, as defensive end five. That makes a lot of sense. And then, and when you have a guy like Hall, who's a little bit bigger and thicker of a guy, he can give you interior rushes as well. That was part of his allure coming out. And so I didn't, I, I had no problem with saying that Deshaun Hall played very well. I just think there's some context that's necessary to understanding why he was so much easier to see than Josh Sweat. Yeah, and also on the the Herald point, Hall has a shoulder injury. He's day-to-day. Doesn't seem like super serious. He he suffered the injury in the game and actually came back in and then played. So I'm guessing, you know, it's not this horrible thing. I'm sure the Herald trade, you know, factors into that too. Just needing a guy to kind of fill some reps Mm -hmm. here as the preseason goes along. BLG, what other injury updates do you have for us from training camp today on on, uh, Saturday? Yeah, there's, in terms of like the perspective that I can give us, because I know they they jumped like a laundry list of guys. Yeah, there's a lot of uh kind of little things. It's nothing too you know major. Um, you know Sudfeld, they confirmed he's going to be out as we kind of already heard from Adam Schefter, which I guess we should kind of get into that a little bit, Ben, with the whole backup quarterback thing. I mean, um, so Schefter says Sudfeld's going to be out for, or he's going to return. I guess I should say he didn't say he's going to be out for. He said he's going to return in six weeks. Which is an interesting timeline because yes. if that's true, you know, we're, we're assuming that's true. Again, it's a it's a broken wrist on his non-throwing hand, which is, you know, it, it could be a worse injury. But if he's truly going to return in six weeks, obviously you don't put him on injured reserve because that would mean he would be out for eight weeks. You can't put him on PUP at this point. That's not allowed. Yep. With Sudfeld missing or returning in six weeks, that should put him back around... Week three? Week three, but it's like, is he going to have enough time, you know, to practice leading up to week three? Is it going to be like a kind of a close call? And then you kind of don't want to suit him up because you're not, you know, totally sure if he's ready. And then it kind of gets interesting from there because then they have a short week on the road in Green Bay. So it's like, again, the Eagles aren't really going to practice much that week. So do you really like want to rush him back if he's not going to get the reps and kind of, you know, test out how everything feels with the broke like the the wrist being healed and everything so to me i'm saying like so maybe he will be i'm i'm not i'm kind of just trying to i think extra cautious on it but to me i think like we have to kind of think it's possible that he could be out until week five at the latest because then that would be the home game against right. the jets and he would have enough time to kind of practice uh by that point so i guess you know if he's not going to be missing a ton of time i would say i guess i'm saying I, I'm, I'm thinking it's like week five at the worst and at best case week three like, I get the Eagles not, you know, being in a rush to sign someone. And Doug Peterson basically said as much after practice today that they they feel good enough about Cody Kessler. And wow. they can the, say... The dejection in your voice as you even report and quote what Peterson said. <laughs> I can hear the disappointment. I, the, the thing, Ben, is like, I just don't love this idea of like, let's put all our, all our eggs in the Cody Kessler basket. Because he sucked against the Titans. And, you know, limited playing great. time. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so what if we get to, you know, the end of the preseason and he doesn't look any better by then? And it's like, we're just keeping him around behind Carson Wentz because reason? Like, because <laughs> he's just been here and he, like, knows the scheme. Like, I don't love that. I In my ideal situation, I would have liked the Eagles to have signed Josh Johnson. They can't now. The Lions signed yep, him. Lions and, like, him. 
and had him compete with Kessler a little bit for that kind of temporary backup spot behind Carson Wentz. So it seems like that's not what they're going to do. For now, at least, it seems like they're just going to roll with Kessler as the guy. And then Thorson is, like, in theory, the third string guy. But, I mean, really, he can't play at all this year. It's, it's no. like, <laughs> it, imagine, imagine, God forbid, Kessler gets injured. And they're in a spot where, like, for even, like, a day, Thorson's the number two for Carson Wentz. Because they are, like, the, the narrative, and I've read this a little bit. I'm sure you can report on this because you've been the guy at camp. The narrative is that, like, oh, yeah, like, he was really bad against the Titans, but he's been good in camp. And everything I've seen from Beats does not support this idea that Clayton Thorson has been a good player even in camp, even in practice. And so, you know, you've got this fifth-round stash that didn't even make much sense from the jump. Now, all of a sudden, he's quarterback three instead of quarterback four. And yeah, like Cody Kessler is not good. This is like, (laughs) this is not good. And so, no, I I very much agree with you. It's interesting. Mark Sanchez just retired. He would have made a ton of sense if he was still like a free agent and wanted to do stuff. But now he's going to go to like ESPN and like, you know, be an analyst. Uh, And then after that, I mean, it's like, I'm so, yeah, exactly. I mean, I said it on Twitter today. Yeah. But it, it's Osweiler. Osweiler is the best option left, which is terrifying. Yep. Yeah, so I agree isn't with you, Josh Johnson. Isn't Osweiler kind of just like a rich man's Clayton Thorson in some ways? Well, uh, no, because I think that Osweiler can actually throw the football down the field. Well, yeah, that's a rich man's Clayton Thorson. Right, exactly right. Just with that one unique skill that Clayton Thorson doesn't bring. So listen, and so yeah, Cody Kessler, Clayton Thorson, it's not exciting stuff. It's worrisome. Let me ask you about this. I know that Dallas Goddard is now week-to-week with a knee, I believe they said that it was, calf. obviously a calf. Now, he was obviously dominant in the game against the Titans. He's obviously had a very strong camp. Everybody's very excited about that. Tight end three. There's a few different names here. We've already brought up Josh Perkins. There's uh, Will Ty, who's floating around on this team as well. I believe it's Alex Ellis is the last fella. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're obviously going to now expect to see these guys in huge roles. The Eagles are very likely to carry three, if not four tight ends, as they did coming in to the last season, what should we be expecting out of the tight end depth chart? And something is it a position we should be looking at over these final preseason games now that Goddard is sidelined. Yeah, so Goddard's going to be out for the rest of the preseason, it sounds like, week to week. Um, same thing with Lane Johnson, but the Eagles are pretty like adamant that that's not like a concern. It's just like they're going to miss the rest of the preseason right. and then they'll be fine for week one. So uh, I guess we can kind of just take them at their word for that, hopefully. With Goddard missing time, though, I mean, you already have Richard Rodgers day-to-day with a foot injury. He hasn't practiced in about a week or so. I think Richard Rodgers... he existed. Oh, I know, because you didn't mention him. (laughs) I just didn't even know he was around. I I think um, Rodgers is going to make the team as the third guy. Like, I think they like him there. They feel like he can contribute on special teams. And for as much as he's been injury-prone, like, in the last last year and then this season he had never missed a game i think in his entire career before that so you know he has this track record of durability before last year so i think he'll make the team the interesting thing not in terms of mattering at all so much hopefully for the season but in terms of making your 53-man roster if you're going to do that is the josh perkins thing is not insignificant to me like when you see that he's taking first team reps today in 12 personnel you know, with Goddard and, and um, Rogers out, but still. And also Perkins takes like a lot of the first team special teams reps pretty yeah. much on any kind of special teams unit they do. And like the other guys he's lining up with are all guys who you're like, those guys are making the team. So that kind of makes me think there that they could keep four. And if I'm not mistaken, which I might be, I'm looking at the practice squad eligibility thing. Like, I don't think any of those guys on the Eagles roster uh, are actually 
practice squad practice eligible? squad eligibility, aka Aramaic or some other dead language that's impossible. Yeah, to it's it's impossible to understand. Who cares? It doesn't. It's it's ultimately not important. I just think that it's possible they just keep Perkins um, around, especially. I mean, and it's a silly thing, like to say the nickname thing, but it's like it's not nothing. Like Doug was asked about the tight end position, and when he says Perk instead of Perkins, like. Okay, you know, they have a nickname for him. He's only, been a, well, only reason you would have a nickname for a guy is if you were saying his name a lot. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's not like he's calling Alex Ellis, Ellie, or whatever his nickname would even be. <laughs> That's just, you know, kind of the the rundown there. At uh, Like, again, it's, it's funny, Ben. Like, in the context of right now, like, these things are worth discussing because we're in day 12 of training camp and, like, sure. all the big storylines are kind of played out <laughs> so we're so we're, we're talking about like fourth string tight end right now but it's and interesting practice squad eligibility and, and practice squad eligibility but it's it's interesting in the context of again like the 53 man roster because that's you know that's something right. we hear about this time of year and the thing is like because eagles fans are so big on dallas goddard myself chief among them we forget about the the the, the fact that the eagles because they're a heavy 12 personnel team and because they have intriguing guys are going to be spending a lot of time in the building looking at these last tight ends. Now that Goddard's out for the preseason, it's, I mean, it's, it's something we get the opportunity to watch over the next couple of Thursdays. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I do want to pick your brain a little bit. The offensive of tackles has been a bit of a interesting discussion over the last 24 36 hours in terms of just how good they looked last night Jordan Mailata Andre Dillard you obviously had Hogley Vati Vaitai play exclusively at guard and you had Matt Pryor spend some time at guard and some time at tackle so let you know starting for Jason Peters on the left Lane Johnson on the right offensive tackle three through six three through seven however it is them or names you've got what do you envision as the, the tackle depth chart right now? And in terms of who of these four, we got Pryor, Mylotta, Vitae, and Dillard. Who's most in danger of not making the 53-man roster? Yeah, the offensive line situation is another one of those ones, like, kind of, I think, yet to be played out or kind of, like, tough, a little bit kind of, like, interesting to figure out when you're looking at the 53 because, I mean, obviously you have Jason Peters and Lane Johnson as your starters, I think it's pretty clear that Dillard is your top backup at left tackle. So it's not like Big V is just the automatic swing tackle anymore. Like, I think Big V 
assuming Brandon Brooks is healthy, which, by the way, I want to say that, like, Big V played a, a decent amount in that first preseason game. And obviously the Eagles wanted to give him a look at guard because they haven't ever seen him play guard in an NFL game. So that's part of it too. But I was thinking to myself, like, I don't think they're putting out Big V there. Like, if they're not pretty sure, you know, Brooks is going to be good for the regular season, um, which sure, we already knew. Sense. Yeah, with the PUP thing, like, that he was not on there. But I just think that was, like, another sign. So just a little side thing there. But, yeah, so I, I guess Big V is basically then your your top backup at uh, right tackle, assuming that, you know, they don't trade him because I think Big V, as we kind of talked about before, is a pretty tradable player if, you know, there's, you know, these, these teams are going through their roster through the summer and the preseason. They're like, man, we don't feel good about our offensive line situation, the Houston Texans. And wow, send clowning. Yeah, I mean... Do it, you cowards. <laughs> but assuming Big V sticks around, you know, so I think he's your, your top backup right tackle. Dillard is your top backup left tackle. Beyond that, I mean, Jordan Mailata was getting first team right tackle reps today uh, mm-hmm. with Lane Johnson out. And I think that's worth noting because it's not like the team is giving, you know, Matt Pryor those reps. Matt Pryor, who noticeably struggled in the first preseason game, uh, kind of like he did last year. The prior thing's a little interesting to me, Ben, because I feel like even though he hasn't been good, I think the team kind of likes him, like in the sense of like they still feel like he's worth developing. I don't think. Yeah, they I know wanna... they liked him a lot last year. That's yeah. for sure. I don't think they just want to give up on him, you know, after like one season where he didn't even play at all last year. So I, I think one of the things to watch with the offensive line is I feel like Wiz could be the odd man out. Mm. He's snapping has been horrible. <laughs> yeah, you remember uh, mm-hmm. Smallo from last year, Ben. Uh, who yes, really struggled to snap. Uh, it's basically, worse. it's worse. It's like, it's really oh, bad. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it's also worse because, like, you know, Samal came in the NFL playing guard. Like, he did it. He snapped Samal was a tackle at Oregon State. Well, that too. But, like, Wiz, yeah. Wiz has, like, extensive starting experience in the NFL at center. Like, that's where he began his career. And somehow, I guess he forgot it <laughs> with time. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Wiz is a vested veteran. I think it's entirely possible the Eagles cut him and then bring him back after week one so his salary isn't guaranteed. It's not like they're going to be super fearful of losing him to anyone because he was a free agent for a long time this offseason. So I think that's possible. I do think, to answer your your question that started this all, with, you know, Mylotta getting those first team right tackle reps over Pryor, I guess you would think, you know, that he's ahead of Pryor in the depth chart. But Pryor's the more versatile option because they really line him up like everywhere. They have him lining up at left tackle in practice and guard and pretty much any non-center spot. So I think they kind of want to keep both of those guys. And, I you know, this is a team that we know values offensive line highly. So I don't think they're going to be shy to like stock up on that position, especially when I'm sure Jeff Stoutland is going to want his guys. It's wild. Like there you've got a, you've got good problems if you're talking about, you know, potentially needing to cut Wisniewski or Pryor. Like that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good problem to have. A lot of teams have the problem of wishing they had a Wisniewski or Pryor like player to get on the roster. Just a little bit of what I wrote about today. Like you watched Dillard and, and Mylotta in that game and you say to yourself, all right, there's, they both got something here where they, they can play and they've got some good reps and some problems. These are offensive tackle three and offensive tackle four, man. There are some teams, Houston Texans, who just don't have this at all. You know, they got nothing even close to this. So the Eagles offensive line is in a very good spot. And thank goodness for that. Figuring it out. Yeah, it's always tricky finding that best five, especially when you're dealing with, yeah, like, you know, bringing back. Brandon Brooks, obviously Lane Johnson, they're saying it's 100% precautionary. But even then with Brooks, you still, like, how much do you value that right guard spot over the ability to back up other spots, how long you're going to need it, so on and so forth. So that's the offensive line. My only other position that I 
enjoyed watching the battle on slash am hating myself because I'm still watching the battle on is running back. Josh Adams with the fumble against the Tennessee Titans. Obviously not looking like very much. Denell Pumphrey's out there with like the eighth team. Clayton Thorson can't run the offense with him. There's nothing going for him there. Uh, we don't see Corey Clement. We don't see Boston Scott. We don't see Darren Sproles. Sanders has looked good in camp. Jordan Howard is hanging around. Is this Eagles team just keeping three? And if they are keeping a fourth, who do you think is in the lead after the first preseason game? I think it's cut and dry, actually. I think it's going to be uh, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, and I think it's Corey, Corey Clement, as your uh, your fourth guy there. Yeah. He is getting healthier. Um, I don't think he's 100% quite yet. Obviously, didn't play in the preseason game. But just watching him in practice and some team drills, like he looks fast. He looks good. He looks healthy. So I would assume he'll be back soon enough. And it's not like any of those guys are threatening as much as uh, you might try to say Donald Humphrey <laughs> is threatening, Ben. Um, like, I don't think any of those guys are about to steal Corey Clements' job. And I don't think the Eagles are – like, you, you don't only want to keep three. I mean, Darren Sproles has played nine games in the past two years. Like, you can't really just count on him being healthy. So you have, kind of have to keep a fourth guy. And Corey Clement, in theory, you know, should offer some of the same things. Not at the same level, obviously, but like it, the the theory of it, like you're you're keeping Corey Clement on the roster to contribute as a third down back, kind of like you're doing for somewhat for Darren Sproles. So I think sure. it's cut and dry there. Ben, I want to take this. I need to go in on Clayton Thorson a little bit more because I don't. I feel like I didn't oh. properly address that. Well, listen, if you listened to uh, 109 of the Guess the Soul I show, you know that I christened that podcast with scorn for Clayton it's, Thorson. So please, it's just like I. The whole thing, so now the, now the whole excuse with him is like, he was just nervous in his first game. That is so, like, that just doesn't do a lot for me. First of all, even if that's true, that's not a good thing, by the way. Like, that's a that's a concerning that's a quality. Problem. Yeah, like, that's not like a, oh, that's not a problem. He was just nervous. It's fine. Also, is he nervous in practice, like, literally every single day? Because, like you said earlier, like, he's he hasn't been good in practice pretty much. Like, he had, like, maybe one good day last week, and it wasn't, like, an amazing, like, oh, wow, good day. It was just like a not bad day, which made it a good day for him. This kind of reminds me of the Donnell Pumphrey pick. Boy, this pick that I hate so much in Clayton Thorson reminds you of Donnell Pumphrey. It just makes me sad. In the sense of the process of the pick, you know, it's like you took this guy who I just, like, I can't really... Now, with Pumphrey, there was at least the production you could look at in college. You could point to that. But, like, with Clayton Thorson, you can't even point to that. Like, he had bad production. He, like, I don't understand what the Eagles liked about this guy, other than he is big and tall. Like, okay, great. Um, sign me to play quarterback for you. I am bigger and taller than Clayton Thorson. Wow. Gauntlet thrown down. <laughs> Brandon Lee Gowin try challenging Clayton Thorson to a throw-off. No, I mean, Thursday, he could definitely win. August yeah. 15th at noon at the link. It's all yeah. that I've heard. Sponsored by... Uh, you know, chickies and peats. Okay, Even though they're playing in Jacksonville, Clayton Thorson and I will be at the link. Clayton Thorson won't be playing in Jacksonville when he gets on the football field. Playing is not the thing that happens. I just like I just don't get the process of it. It, it bothers me. I've said it before, but like he's older for a rookie. He turns twenty four this season. He's an injury history. He had a torn ACL, and again, his college stats were very bad. And when you look at like the the historical precedent of that, it's never like. Or at least very, very, very rarely, like some guy in college has terrible stats and he comes into the NFL and he's great. Like that doesn't happen. So I don't yeah. understand like what the Eagles were. They were like to me, they were clearly betting on the exception by drafting Clayton Thorson. And by doing that, 
they were betting on someone entirely like unexceptional. Like there's nothing exceptional about him. So I don't know why like right. they loved him. And it's not the end of the world. It's not like the biggest deal. But it's just it's annoying in the sense <laughs> it's of not like the biggest deal. It's not the biggest deal, Ben. But when you only have five picks and you've only made ten picks in the last two years combined, the fewest in the NFL. And when you have this Carson Wentz quarterback contract on the books now, it's like you're just wasting a draft pick. And it's just like it's annoying. It's frustrating. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is that like we always say, you know, in the draft community, it's always like, all right, you have a well-built team. You don't need X. You don't need Y. Fifth round picks so free infrequently pan out anyway. Might as well just gamble on the quarterback because if your fifth round pick hits, it's so much more valuable for the to be a quarterback versus other positions. And so like, there's a very common outcry, which is like, all right, just like throw a dart at a quarterback. Just throw, always throw darts at quarterback. See if you can hit on one. And then the Eagles draft Clay Thorson. You go, okay, but pick a different one, throw a dart at a different one. Not that one. Right. Like, you know, that's kind of what, you know, like it's, it's a good idea in theory, but you still have to pick players who are not Clay Thorson because as you illustrated, there's no reason to believe yeah. You can't even talk yourself into it. Yes. This guy's going to turn out to be a good player. Give me something to like hang my hat on. Like this guy can run. This guy can um like I don't know. This guy like just give me something that I can point to and be like this guy has a crazy arm. Like but right. he's super inaccurate. Like give me or this guy is super accurate, right. but he Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo went undrafted, dude, 6'7", 245 and has an absolute rocket. Like yeah. if he's not sticking as a quarterback, he'll stick as something else. Right. You know, and that, so, like, it's just Thorson's just yeah, it, it was it's just like it's a total throwaway of a pick, which at the end of the day it's right, it's a fifth round pick on a team that is super deep and super talented, sure, but that doesn't change the fact that it could have been a better pick. One guy who was a better pick, Ben, to transition out of this is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I thought had um, his best practice today at training camp. Um, he just he looked really good. He made a jump ball catch along the sideline from Carson Wentz. I think it was three on three. Good to see him, you know, making some progress here. Even in the preseason, I thought J.J., like, he, he obviously didn't have, like, some kind of monster game, but I thought he looked good. And for him to even make that, that incompletion early on from Sudfeld, but he, like, he made it close, right? Like for him right, to even do that, play, yeah. I mean, that yeah. ball had a lot more room to be accurate. And if it was, it's a foot race. Yeah, and he made it closer. I felt like than like other receivers might have. So uh, liking the progress I'm seeing from him. Not still don't expect him to have any kind of huge role. You know, as we've talked about, kind of be a little bit more helpful in the red zone. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was good. Cody Kessler was up and down as you would expect. I guess he 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 had a drive bend where it was like, okay, great completion to JJ Arcega Whiteside. Next play. Overthrown way too high, out of bounds, terrible throw. Next play, another good completion to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Next play, another terrible overthrow. Um, it's just, so the inconsistency, I guess. I you know, Just watching Kessler throughout the offseason, I kind of wanted to give him a little bit of a pass, like tiny bit in the spring, just because they only signed him like a week or so, like not too long before OTAs began. Like he didn't have a ton of time. It's not like they signed him back in January and all this time sure, with kind of sure. like, learning the playbook and everything. So he was kind of on a crash course back then. But even still, like the arm strength, it's just, it's not there at all. It's bad. One of the things that's being pointed out, I feel like, I don't know who exactly did this, but some people have been like, oh, well, Cody Kessler won a couple games games with the Jaguars last year. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I look up those games, Ben, and guess how many touchdown passes ben, uh, Cody Kessler threw in those two wins that he had? I'm going to guess uh, zero. Yeah, it is exactly zero. One of those wins was a 6-0 to zero win shutout against the Colts. 
And the other win was a 17-7 win in Adam Gase's penultimate game with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, things clearly just kind of done there. Great use of penultimate. Uh, is this supposed to make me, like, feel good or something? Like, Listen, as we, <laughs> as Nick Foles stands, you and I should know, quarterback wins. Only <laughs> the biggest that matters. Stat. That's uh, why they, the Eagles drafted Clayton Thorson. At least that's what I. That's what yeah. some people tell Made me. Made it to the uh, Big Ten Championship. I got absolutely waxed by Ohio State. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> first preseason game is in the books. Twelfth training camp is in the books. How many more training camp practices do we have now, BLG? So we'll have um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then they'll have off on Wednesday. Game will be Thursday. They'll have off again Friday, and then technically, Ben. So next Saturday, a week from today, August tenth will be the 17th and that day is kind of that day where like you can't watch training camp anymore uh they shut it down it's kind of just how it works every year but there is an exception because we have joint practices with the ravens next week that'll be monday and the tuesday i believe leading up to that third preseason game so Mm -hmm. so i guess we technically have like five real training camp practices left nice i never got to do a joint practice last year so that must be a good time but blg thank you very much for joining the uh well, this is your podcast. So, Ben, yeah. thank you very thank much you very for much. joining the, the v, uh, BGN Radio show. Thank you, listeners, as always, for listening to BGN Radio and all of our various shows and our various hodgepodge combinations of hosts. If you enjoy the podcast, please, as always, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or whatever app you listen to your podcasts. I am Ben on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He is Brandon Lee Gowan on Twitter at Brandon Gowan. That's G-O-W-T-O-N. We will catch you with episodes early next week. If I were Mike, I would know what they are, but I don't. So goodbye forever. P-G-N.